1: Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andrea Show here on Monday, December the 30th. Thanks so much for tuning in here today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that Team Canada game earlier today. A big win for the Canadians after that six nothing embarrassment at the hands of the Russians on Saturday. Uh, came back with that nice four one win over Germany here earlier this morning. So Team Canada is now two and one at the World Junior Championship. Sam will next take on the Czech Republic tomorrow morning to wrap up the round robin. We of course will have that game for you here on Radio NL starting. at at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning with pregame set for 9 o'clock. So I'll be getting bumped tomorrow by some World Junior Hockey, but there's uh, there's definitely some worse things out there to get bumped for, so I'm okay with that. I uh, do have a good show lined up here today on this Monday. To end off the program, I'll be joined by the associate editor for lowestrates.ca, Jessica Vamero. She's going to be talking about some New Year's resolutions that you could make when it comes to your finances. So that will be coming up at around the 50-minute mark of today's show. And uh, speaking of hockey, the Kamloops Blazers returned to action this past Friday night in Kelowna after their holiday break. They scored a big 4-0 win in Kelowna, but it did end up costing them in the injury department as Ryan Hughes left that game with what I believe to be is an ankle injury. Uh, Hughes, of course, hits fourth on the team in points with 41 points in 33 games overall and 38 points in 31 games with Kamloops. So that will be a big blow to this team moving forward. He did set out uh, Saturday night's loss here at home against Everett yesterday Camloops did return home to Sandman Center on Saturday night and ended up falling 7-5 to the CHL's third-ranked team, the Silvertips there. Um, here's the voice of Camloops Blazers, John Keane, as he uh, kind of wraps up what happened on Sa- on the weekend. And, of course, he also highlights that with uh, Saturday's save of the game here. Gonzalez,
2: have to watch this top unit for the Silvertips. Down the pass. Great stop to run! Fans love that stop, a couple of big saves on that power play and then he gets post
0: to post, gets that pad down and makes a big one.
2: Yeah, great sequence there for Dylan Garand and his best save. We call it our save on food, save of the game. They're going the extra mile, five locations in Kamloops. All night where the Blazers give up a season-high seven goals. They score five and keep a streak alive of four or more now in nine strike games. Uh, but about a streak? will come to an end. They had points in 10 straight, seven
1: oh two and one So the Blazers uh, will be looking to get a new streak going after that loss there on Saturday night, and they don't get much in the way of time off as they, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a break yesterday, if you want to call it that, and they're right back at it tonight as they dig on the Victoria Royals at the Sandman Center tonight. So they'll be looking to begin a new point streak then. Uh, so John Keene will be joining me to kick off the back half of today's show to break down the weekend that was, and then, of course, look ahead to tonight's contest. But to begin today's show, I want to talk a little bit about uh, sleeping in your vehicle tomorrow of course is new year's eve there. there's a little abbot to get you ready for new year's eve so uh, many of course will be out celebrating and i'm sure uh, many consuming an alcoholic beverage or two during those celebrations but if you've had too many is it a good idea to sleep it off in your car? I mean, it is better than driving home, right? Well, uh, well, reason number one, I would say it's a bad idea. I mean, it is expected to be zero degrees tomorrow night, so a.k.a. the freezing mark. So it may not be the coldest it could possibly be here, but it sure as heck ain't warm out there. So if you are ill-prepared for a night in your car, well, that is reason enough, I would say, to avoid doing it. But that, of course, is not the only reason to necessarily fade the idea. Uh, here is a, a story that I saw in Quebec. I thought it was a bit interesting. Um, it, it's nothing surprising out of all of this uh, incident, but I still thought it was worth um, highlighting. So uh, this guy wasn't intentionally going to sleep in his car. In 2009, a Quebec man who was, quote, too drunk to drive and was aware of that fact, um, he was out at night uh, in February, and he was uh, he met this woman, and he went back to her apartment, and uh, you know they, they met on this cold night, and he eventually asked her, to leave, So he asked her to call a taxi, which she did. Uh, she called a designated driver's service, such as Operation Red Nose, whatever one they use out there. So they, she called that, and uh, which, as we know, sends two vehicles, one to take the inebriated person home and the other vehicle to drive the car home. And in this particular instance, the man was asked to leave this residence as he was not permitted to wait inside. So he left. He wasn't being stubborn. He left the apartment. And it was minus 15 degrees out this particular day. It was also very windy, so he decided it would be a good idea for him to wait in his truck. Well, I'm sure we all know it is a bad idea to turn on the engine, but in this case, you know, it was pretty cold out and he wanted some heat, so I don't blame the guy for turning his car on. So he turned the car on to get a little bit warmer and then wait for his ride home. Well, apparently this man was waiting 45 minutes for his sober ride home to arrive 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, safe to say that is a long time to be waiting, and in all honesty, I mean, it really, really isn't even all that terrible, uh, which kind of shows the need for a quicker uh, service, uh, c- quicker cab rides, quicker designated driver service, whatever the case is, you know, there, there always is a need to be faster, and, and that demand is always going to exist. So I can only imagine what wait times will look like tomorrow night. Um, you know, 45 minutes might, might be a pretty quick way to get home when you're calling for a ride tomorrow night on New Year's Eve. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Um, so this man from Quebec, he, of course, was trying to be responsible. He was waiting for his ride home, but needed some level of warmth while he waited. As I said, it was minus 15. It was February. He was cold. He was waiting 45 minutes. That's a long time to be sitting outside in minus 15 plus windy conditions. So as he waited, uh, of course, he passed out. He was sitting in the driver's seat of his vehicle behind the wheel, and he passed out. The taxi driver eventually showed up, but instead of giving this gentleman a ride home, The cabbie called the police. He was arrested. He was charged with being in care and control of a motor vehicle while having more than 80 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of his blood. Not much, I would think. There's not a whole heck of a lot you could do in this case. At least I wouldn't think so. He he fell asleep. He was drunk. He was in the driver's seat of his car. It's an unfortunate case where even though he was, you know, in the wrong, you would kind of hope that there might be some common sense taken into account, knowing that, you know, he was trying to be responsible and wait for a ride home. But to be fair, I mean, how can anyone be 100 percent sure of this man's intention? I mean, he was drunk. He was behind the wheel of his vehicle and the engine was running. That's a uh, that's a triple no-no right there. So that's just one example of why it might be a bad idea to even wait in in your vehicle, let alone actually uh, sleep in your car after having a few drinks. So maybe when you're out on uh, New Year's Eve tomorrow night, you've had a few to consume, you've had a few too many, you can't drive home, and uh, you uh, you know you don't want to drive home, like I said, but you still might want to uh, find somewhere to sleep, and maybe an apartment, maybe somewhere indoors isn't uh, isn't in the cards for you. It's not an option for you. So you think. No, I can just sleep it off in my vehicle, drive home in the morning. Well, maybe that's not the best idea. Uh, like I said, it's cold out, which is one reason not to do it, and uh, you never know what uh, what unfortunate situation might arise. So I'm going to be having uh, more of this conversation coming up with Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. She's going to be joining me to talk more about the do's and don'ts of sleeping in your vehicle, particularly when you've had too much to drink. So we'll be talking more about that coming up after the break. <laughs>
0: Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk
1: and RadioNL.com. Welcome back here. It is Monday, December 30th. Thanks so much for tuning in. New Year's Eve. It is all, of course, set for tomorrow, and I know a lot of people out there are planning to hit the town, maybe have their final few bevvies of 2019, count down those final seconds of the year, and ring in 2020 with their first drinks of the new year. And if you're one of those people, well, make sure, of course, you plan for a safe way home, because sleeping it off in your car might not be a great idea. Here to help fill us in on some of the reasons as to why that's the case is Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. Kyla, good to have you back.
3: Thank you for having me back.
1: Are you a, are you a big uh, New Year's Eve person? Do you get excited for the celebration?
3: <laughs> I don't. I used to when I was a lot younger, but uh, since I hit my 30s, I've kind of just gone to bed.
1: <laughs> yeah, now it's just like any other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. So, uh, you know, I, 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 in my intro here, I talked a little bit about, uh, you know, of course, why it uh, might not be a great idea to sleep in your car, just from a uh, responsible point of view, because uh, it's cold. For first and foremost, it's uh, probably hard to stay warm in your vehicle, and there's always instances where maybe uh, things don't go necessarily as planned. I was talking about one individual who just uh, got in his car to to stay warm, and then fell asleep, and then uh, of course uh, that didn't end up uh, working out in his favor. So, uh, why is it about Bad idea to sleep in your vehicle I mean it seems like a good idea right I've had too much to drink I don't want to drive home maybe I should just sleep in my car uh, at least sleep it off until I'm sober enough to drive home but this might not be a great idea can you explain sort of why uh, you know it's just maybe a, a good idea just to avoid that practice entirely
3: Uh, The reason is the definition of of operating a motor vehicle in Canadian law. So you don't actually have to be physically driving a vehicle to be considered operating it. All you have to be is in care and control of the vehicle, which means you have to have the means to set the vehicle in motion and the risk has to exist that you may do so in the future. And courts have recognized that any time a person who has had too much to drink is inside a vehicle with the mechanism to put it in motion, essentially with the keys, there is always an inherent risk posed by that person that they're going to decide to drive. So that's one of the big reasons why it's not a good idea to sleep in your vehicle, because you are technically breaking the law.
1: So you just have to have the keys on you. You don't even necessarily have to have them in the ignition?
3: that's correct all you have to do is be in care or control of the vehicle so having the present ability to set the vehicle in motion and some risk existing that's not you know completely you know uh, impossible or implausible that you would set it in motion now there are circumstances where um, you can rebut that assumption that you're in that you're in care and control for example if your vehicle is stuck because it's you know it's piled up deep in snow and it can't go anywhere then okay fine you can get in the vehicle and and sleep. But in those situations, you're going to end up uh, facing likely a charge for impaired operation of a vehicle or a 90-day roadside prohibition for impaired operation of a vehicle and having to prove that you were innocent by giving evidence to show that the vehicle couldn't, in any realistic scenario, be set in motion. And you don't want to end up in that type of situation.
1: Yeah, that definitely sounds like more work than someone would want to deal with, uh, especially when you're just trying to be responsible. I'm sure there's another way you could go about doing it. difficult is that to rebut? I mean, is that a difficult thing to argue?
3: Um, it can be because again, there's this this sort of understanding that anytime you're impaired and you're in the vehicle, you uh, you pose a risk to the public. And whether you may not presently intend to set the vehicle in motion, um, that that intention can change in the future, and the possibility of it changing is significant. Um, essentially, you'd have to show evidence that either you had some sort of an alternative plan, like you were sitting in the vehicle to stay warm while you were waiting for a taxi that you had already called that was already on its way. Um, or a designated driver service that somebody was coming to pick you up, that you had some plan in place other than just sleeping it off in your vehicle. And the other concern about sleeping it off in your vehicle is that it leaves it to you to assess when you are capable of driving safely. And lots of people run into trouble this way because you wake up in the next, you know, the next few hours, you don't feel the effects of alcohol anymore, but you're still impaired and you're still over the limit. Um, so again, sleeping it off is actually very dangerous. Because not only is there a risk that you're going to set the vehicle in motion, but there's a real risk that you're going to do so while you're still over the legal limit.
1: And I guess that uh, that kind of applies to anyone, not necessarily even people just sleeping in their vehicle. If you're, you know, going to a house party or whatever the case may be, and you go to to sleep it off there before driving home, and you know, you even wake up at eight in the morning, you might still uh, not be uh, under the legal limit at that point. I mean, is that something that you see pretty frequently where people are, you know, they think they're sober enough to drive home the next morning, but they still get dinged with a, with an impaired driving charge?
3: It's very common. Most people would laugh to think about the number of cases where people are early in the morning charged with impaired driving. But the reality is that a lot of people, they go to bed late, uh, they wake up, they don't feel the effects of alcohol, but they haven't eliminated all of the alcohol from your system. And you can be charged with either being impaired or with just being over the legal limit.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely a lot to take into account. I mean, even if you are waking up the next day, you still might be better off taking uh, a cab ride home. Uh, how difficult is it too? I just wanted to ask, because you had brought it up too, if you did, uh, say, get in your car to turn on the heat and you are waiting for a designated driver service or you're just waiting for a cab to come and pick you up, I mean... I was talking about this one case in Quebec in 2009 off the top where I was looking at this gentleman who did just that but then he fell asleep in his car and then uh, the cabbie rather than uh, taking him home called the cops and he was given this 90-day prohibition and, and given an impaired driving charge. I mean, is that something that would be really difficult to to argue in court? I mean, the fact that he was in fact even behind the wheel, I guess does that even um, you know change the circumstances even more? If he were to get into a passenger seat and, and do the same thing, would it be in the same situation? The
3: more- you separate yourself from the potential risk of driving, the easier it becomes to make out the argument. If you get in the passenger seat, if you get in the back seat of the vehicle, if you have like an SUV or a van and you get in the actual, you know, the rear hatch of the vehicle, something like that, the more you separate yourself from actually being in front of the steering wheel, the easier it becomes to make that argument. But again, it's going to fall on you to make that argument after you're already facing the charge, which is the worst position you want to be in. Um, You know, the the individual in Quebec, the Supreme Court of Canada, found he really had no other choice but to get in his vehicle. It was, you know, very, very cold Mm and in in snow, um, and he had nowhere else to go. Um, And so when you're in that situation where it's freeze to death or get in your vehicle, I mean, obviously get in the vehicle, don't freeze to death to try and avoid an impaired driving charge, but try and make arrangements in advance so you don't find yourself having to make that decision and taking that risk.
1: Yeah, definitely some good advice, especially on a day today. Like I said, one day before New Year's Eve, and a lot of people will be planning to be out late, and uh, that means a lot of people will be trying to call cabs and designated driver services at the same time. So you might be finding yourself waiting quite a few minutes, if not hours, for a ride home. So don't find yourself in that situation, and of course plan ahead. Now, another reason this topic as a whole can be a bit concerning um, is that a number of cities, Kamloops included, do have some bylaws to prevent overnight camping, and this could include things like sleeping in your vehicle. And this is something that you had mentioned to me was bit of a concern for you when we're talking about uh, you know what what does that um, how do we define I guess what overnight camping is and and necessarily is that being in a vehicle does that count so what what are your concerns about uh, about these kinds of bylaws and and how they sort of uh, uh, pre uh, you know judge I guess people who can't afford a, a place to rent or a place to live
3: but I think, I mean, obviously one of the concerns is that it does prevent people from being able to make those those decisions when it does come to life or death and freezing on the streets. I mean, if you have a vehicle that you can stay in, whether or not you've been drinking, and it's cold enough to get below freezing at night, you need to be sleeping in that vehicle. You need to be off the street and, and out of the cold weather for your own life um, and for your own protection. And, and I think these bylaws are unnecessarily draconian. And obviously, while property owners and businesses don't want people camping in front of their businesses overnight and don't want people parking and and living in their vehicles and potentially deterring customers or taking away an available parking spot, that, I I think, concern over, you know, businesses and property values needs to take a huge backseat to the, the concern that we have that we have a huge amount of people in British Columbia right now who are homeless, who can't afford a place to live. We have property values that are out of control. Rental markets that are out of control, making it hard for people to find available accommodation, much less afford it, um, and then to punish them for taking the only other reasonable alternative available to them. Uh, to me, that is absolutely unnecessary and absolutely backward thinking.
1: Yeah, chances are someone's uh, you know choice to sleep in their vehicle isn't necessarily their first choice. So it is a uh, kind of unfortunate, I guess, to get dinged with a charge for something that uh, you know maybe was your your last resort in the first place, right?
3: And I think, you know, cities could could deal with this differently. They could have bylaws in place that prevented overnight camping where other reasonable alternatives are available to an individual. So that if you got a bylaw ticket that said, you know, uh, you were overnight camping in your vehicle and and you have to fight this ticket, you could go and you could fight. You could say, look, there were no other options to me. The shelters were full. Uh, I had nowhere else to say, here's my, you know, financial situation. I couldn't afford a hotel and have the ticket canceled as opposed to just having to rack up More debt because you've been ticketed and now have this financial obligation to the city for staying in your car when you were there in the first place because you couldn't afford to be anywhere else. It's yeah. essentially a tax on the poor.
1: Yeah, a lot of hoops to jump through for something that uh, you didn't really want to be in that situation in the first place. So definitely unfortunate. Uh, Kyla, that pretty much wraps up our time here. So thanks so much for coming on and talking about this. I think it's something that people should be aware of, uh, like I said, as they get ready for, for New Year's Eve tomorrow night. And, and really, as we mentioned, just in general, just sleeping in your car, not always the best of ideas. So thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk to me here in 2019, and I look forward to doing it again in 2020.
3: Thank you
1: for having me. Right on, Kyla. That was Kyla Lee from Acumen Law. Coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking about a big 4-0 win for the Blazers on the road in Kelowna, but then things didn't go quite as smoothly at home against Everett on Saturday. I'll be joined by the voice of the Blazers, John Keane, after this. (laughs)
0: Voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and radioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas.
1: Hello and welcome back into the show here on the 30th. The Camloops Blazers went 1 and 1 this past weekend with games against Kelowna and Everett and they uh, get set for another one here tonight at home against Victoria. I am joined now by the voice of the Camloops Blazers, John keen John, how you doing?
2: Hey, good morning, Jeff. Uh, second half is uh, underway, and uh, Blazers will wrap up the decade here later on tonight.
1: Yeah, excited to be back after, uh, what did you get, like 10 days off there between games?
2: Yeah, it was something like 12 or 13. It's the longest break that I've seen between games, just the way that the schedule worked uh, this year. And uh, I'm sure everybody was uh, ready to get back in the mix. Usually that breaks about seven, eight days. So uh, it was a bit lengthy before, you know, getting back on ice in Kelowna there on the Friday night.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure some of the guys needed it. I know we're talking about uh, Connor's area a bunch before the break, and he he was getting those uh, Team Canada tryouts, and he was on you know the, the WHL team, and you know he was playing a lot of hockey. So I'm sure for guys like him, it was good to have that uh, extended break. Um, but it looked like everyone was pretty much ready to rock here on Friday night in Kelowna. I mean, talk a little bit about this game. It was four nothing, and and I was saying to you before we jumped on, uh, I thought I I got the chance to be at the game since I was in Kelowna there for the holidays, and uh, um, yeah, I mean it felt like that game was almost never in doubt. How how did you see that one?
2: Well, you never know how those first games back will go after the break, Jeff, with a long layoff. In fact, Cologne, I think only because they've had slow starts in the second half, intentionally put a game in the week leading up to the break to only have seven or eight days off. So they felt they could get a maybe a better jump in the second half with you know having their players not have to shake off as much rust, but that obviously wasn't the case as you saw the game there. Blazers, you know, you mentioned a line felt like maybe it wasn't ever in doubt, uh, and for the most part that I think that's true. I think when you go and score three goals uh, in the second to turn a one nothing game into a four nothing game, and then you know maybe have to dodge a few penalties and power plays uh, in the third period, but you know, overall uh, it was a great effort to come back from the road and. and not only that, on the scoreboard, I, you know, I thought that you know, Kelowna tried to take some liberties and try to go with the Blazers into some physical stuff and some fights, and you know, the team did a, a good job in, in that uh, regard too. So it was it was a real good team win, and you know, one of the uh, we mentioned that the Blazers had not shut out uh, Kelowna in Kelowna going back to the Devin Dubnik days in 2003. So that's, that's a long time there to uh, pick up the shutout in Kelowna.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Garand is having a a heck of a season right now. Um, also, I mean, I I want to talk about this too, because you mentioned it, that it felt like, um, you know, although the Blazers maybe in my point of view, never really had a doubt of winning that one, but there was some question there late in the game as there were a bunch of penalties that were called on, on Kamloops and, and, you know, a bunch of uh, power play opportunities for Kelowna. Um, Can you just tell me your thoughts on the Kelowna power play that night? Because it almost felt to me as I was watching the game, it looked a little bit lost without foot there, without, you know, the captain being on Team Canada right now and not being present for the Rockets. Um, That power play looked a lot different to me than it normally would.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, really the power play goes through him and the the WHL knows that and uh, he usually sets up for that that shot just above the right circle Uh, and uh, without without him out there, I think, yeah, it was, uh, no one really knew what you know where where the you know the offense is going to come from them, but we have to credit the credit to Blazers penalty kill, it's the top PK in the WHL, and uh, they they stay in structure and take away shooting lanes and are so good with their sticks, uh, getting sticks in lanes and and they do a good job of their goaltending on the on the penalty kill as well. So uh, you know they just they just didn't have it. There was much jam there uh, for Kelowna that night, and I believe they followed that up with another loss in Vancouver the next night. So a little bit lost, I think maybe without some of their top players, and uh, you know they're trying to find their Way and, and I guess we'll see uh, what what tricks they have up their sleeve before next uh, Friday's deadline.
1: And and as Kamloops does uh, you know, move towards uh, you know potentially locking up. I mean, it's still quite a bit of season left to play, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But games like that against Kelowna, the team that is second in the BC division, that went a long way, I thought, to really uh, you know helping cement their spot atop the BC division as they move towards the playoffs. But there was a big loss that occurred in that four nothing win on Friday night. Uh, Ryan Hughes uh, did leave the game with an injury. Do you have any update on his status? and sort of what exactly happened there well he got caught up
2: sort of uh, in the the net of Kelowna and kind of got uh, spun around and uh, and kind of uh, tied up and and he twisted uh, one of his ankles and you know I think the concern there is that you know he's had ankle problems in the in the past uh, not with the blazers but with former teams and um, you know they always talk about a high ankle sprain or a low ankle sprain well I think it's probably the lesser of the two uh, timetable not quite sure yet CLE responds but you know I, I, I don't think there's a feeling as if it's, uh, you know, an injury that would, you know, take a long time to bounce back from. But, you know, I've definitely put his status as as week-to-week for the time being, and I wouldn't expect him, uh, you know, in tonight's game against uh, Victoria at the Sandman Center.
1: And uh, let's look ahead a little bit here to uh, Saturday. Uh, so uh, you know, big win Friday night, four nothing victory over Kelowna, and then on Saturday back at home against Everett. Followed that up with a seven to five loss to the Silver Tips. Um, they they had a bit of a different lineup in this one, as mentioned, Hughes was unable to play on Saturday. Doesn't look like he'll go tonight. But they went uh, eleven forward, seven D, I believe, Saturday night. I mean, uh, can you just break down sort of how that lineup maybe changed their approach and and what you thought of the game overall? I mean, that was a big a big game for for a team that's you know uh, maybe comparing itself to the cream of the crop here, where we're looking at Kamloops, you know, can't seem to quite crack those CHL rankings, whether you believe in, in the meaning anything or not, but still Everett does set third right now, I believe, in the CHL top 10 rankings, uh, I mean, that's, that's a team that uh, is probably looking at some real Memorial Cup aspirations, so just, uh, you know, what did you think of the game overall, and, and how do you compare the two teams right now?
2: You know, Blazers, for some reason, struggled against uh, against uh, Everett, and uh, that wrapped up the season series. Blazers only picked up the one win, and that was down in Everett. And, and the Silver Tips were a little bit ripe for the picking because they were like, their number one goaltender, Dustin Wolf, who was the best numbers in the WHL. So that was a game you're going into thinking, okay, here it is. And you score five against them, and you think that should be enough to win the game there. But Everett's crafty. They're opportunistic. They, they don't get a lot of uh, great scoring chances usually, but they make the most of them. Uh, I think the Blazers had them in 19 scoring chances that night. They uh, scored on six of those chances, and then there was the empty netter, of course, at the end. But, you know, a season-high seven goals against. uh, That was also a season-high goal total uh, for Everett. Now the Silver Tips just have a way. They're a smart team. Um, they mentioned their power play's really good, and, and they're crafty. It's it's hard to put your finger on it, and for whatever reason, the Blazers is have not had a lot of success, and, and the Silver Tips uh, went into that game. Um, they, they seemed to get the first goal. They, they factored tied with the Blazers for most first goals in the WHL, both teams of 23. Uh, that was the first time the Blazers hadn't scored first in, uh, in nine games, so yeah, you know, one game, one off, and sure, you mentioned the the fact that uh, the Blazers are short some players, but, you know, I think uh, if these two teams were to meet in a playoff series at some point, uh, if they get that far, you know, I think the Blazers would be, you know, uh, a little bit better prepared and, and know what to expect in this situation.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a definite possibility. That matchup in the, in the playoffs is uh, something that could happen, but uh, we're, we're still a ways from that, so we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. over the next uh, little while here. I did want to ask, too, specifically about Oren Santazo. I mean, this guy had a heck of a week. Uh, a goal and three assists on Friday night in Kelowna. Followed that up with two goals and an assist on Saturday against Everett. He now has at least a point in nine straight and 21 points over that span. I mean, what has gotten into this guy over the last little while? I mean, I know he was good, but he seems to have taken his game to another level here in the last, uh, you know, 10 games here.
2: Yeah, you know, really, he did up the numbers there, and uh, he's just on a roll, and I think it's confidence. I think he's really enjoying himself this year, and, you know, he's playing with Zane Franklin. The two are related. They're cousins, uh, so they have a great connection there. And then he put Connor Zeri in the middle, and that's a, a pretty good trio, and, you know, nine goals his last five games. Um, you know, and he just, right now, if you see him, you watch him shooting the puck right now. He's just been so accurate. He's been so deadly. Uh, he scored two on, on beautiful shots against the Silver Tips there on Saturday night, and uh, he had a great uh, Eastern road trip there. You know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, players like him can fly a little bit under the radar, right? Because you know, they got Zane Franklin, he's such a you know, a, a gregarious figure. He's you know, the captain, he's got a beard, He's 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 uh, he draws a lot of attention. Connor Zary draws a lot of attention as a potential uh, first-round pick, and Ryan Hughes has been this player in the league that's always been, you know, pretty dynamic. So I think he can a little bit fly under the radar a little bit uh, from, you know, maybe some of the opposition, uh, not looked upon as the go-to guy, but he really has been this year. He's up to 24 now in the season. Uh, Previous season high was 18. So, you know, he's just having a, a fantastic year right now.
1: All right, and John, uh, we'll get you out of here on this. So before we leave, of course, we got to look ahead to tonight's game, a big game tonight uh, here at home for the Blazers as they get set to host Victoria. Uh, what are you looking for in this one? I mean, the, the Royals have moved up to uh, third in the B.C. division. They've passed Vancouver. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a team that seems to be sort of uh, moving its way up the standings, although at a bit of a slow pace. I mean, what are you expecting in this one? It's uh, still a good uh, divisional test here.
2: Yeah, it will be. Uh, first time the Blazers have hosted Victoria in the Sandman Center since last year's playoff series, so there's that. Uh, you know what, they're, they have their eyes on second place, you know, with a win tonight, they could they could do that, and they have games at hand on Kelowna, so right now you could make a case that they're probably, you know, the team that uh, is challenging the Blazers the most for top spot. Uh, they're a well-rounded team. They, you look at their roster, uh, they're, they're a veteran club. You know, many people talk about, you know, veteran teams, but uh, they have eight, nine 19-year-olds on top of three 20-year-olds, of course. So that's 11 players, 19 or older. Uh, They don't really have a a go-to line. Their leading goal scorer is 13 goals, and then they're very well balanced as far as below that, and that's Gary Hayden. Uh, They're great defensively. I think they have six veteran defensemen that can play, and they're getting good goal today from Shane Farkas. So this is a tough test. The Blazers somehow, though, have have played Victoria pretty well at the Sandman Center. They hope that continues tonight. They'll have to do with a shortened roster. Uh, of course with uh, some injuries and and a possible suspension to Iñaki Baragano for that major penalty so it's going to be a tough test tonight and uh, the Blazers have to bounce back after after that loss uh, on Saturday
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure they're itching to get back on the ice here tonight and and get another one in the win column. As you had mentioned, I believe, uh, what was it, 10 straight uh, games with at least a point, and uh, now they'll be looking to start a new point streak after that uh, loss there on Saturday. And uh, (laughs) thankfully, they get to do it here at home against Victoria. So thanks so much for doing this, John. Appreciate it. And of course, uh, we'll listen for you here tonight. Okay, Jeff, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Right on. That was the voice of your Kamloops Blazers, Mr. John Keene. And, of course, you can catch the action again tonight here on Radio NL as the Blazers host the Victoria Royals. Puck drops set for 7 o'clock with pregame all set to begin at 6.30. Coming up after the break, as 2020 approaches, have you decided what your resolutions will be? And if yes... Do they involve money? Well, Jessica Vamiro with the lowestrates.ca will join me next to talk about some financial goals that you may want to think about for next year. wraparound, Laser Nation
0: assembles here. Twin Shmiman in overtime! Exciting WHL action is live on Radio NL. Tonight, Josh Piller and your Kamloops Blazers host Gary Hayden and the always-tough Victoria Royals at Sandman Center. John Keene has the Kamloops Insurance pregame show at 6.30. Face-off from Mark Reckie Way at 7 o'clock. Huge goal to power play! Headland Kamloops Blazers hockey on Radio NL, 610 a.m.
1: Welcome back, and thanks for joining me here on Monday, December 30th. It is, of course, almost 2020. I think I've probably said that too many times here in this show, but it is true, and uh, I only get to say this uh, for a couple more days, so I'm going to say it as much as possible. It's 2019. Today is the 30th, meaning tomorrow night is that countdown to the second two two 2020. So uh, here to help you get ready for that and and maybe make some resolutions when it comes to your finances. I'm joined now by the associate editor for lowestrates.ca, Jessica Vamiro. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me here.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Are are you excited for 2020? Are you excited to ring in the new year tomorrow?
4: I am excited. I I think everybody at the office is really excited to ring in the new year as well.
1: Yeah, and and so, of course, with the new year comes uh, maybe some new goals. A lot of people are making some resolutions, whether that be, you know, fitness-related or health-related or whatever the case may be. But one idea that uh, that you have and that you have kind of been uh, promoting here and and talking about is making some resolutions when it comes to your finances. I mean, that's something that maybe people don't necessarily think about it as the forefront of, of uh, you know what, what they would like to do in the new year. That doesn't necessarily make you look or feel better, but uh, it sure makes your pocketbook feel better if you make some financial goals for 2020. So maybe talk a little bit about, first and foremost, uh, before we get into some of the things that people can think about doing, why it's important to set out your financial aspirations uh, and, and you know, why January 1st might be a perfect time to think about doing that.
4: Well, the new year often brings about the opportunity to do a comprehensive review of your finances and really take a look at where you'd like to allocate your savings. The reason that it's so important to make resolutions is because the key takeaway should be being specific with your financial resolutions. And it's very difficult to it's very difficult to achieve them if you don't create measurable goals and you can actually observe your progress, which is why it's so important to create specific
1: goals. So when someone is thinking about uh, making those resolutions and, and sort of going about figuring out what would be the best things for them to to look to accomplish in a new year um you know one of the the probably the first step would be to identify what the goals are that someone might be able to to uh, ascertain um so maybe can you tell me how someone might go about looking at their financial picture and then determining what might be the best goal for them to create i mean what would what, be the first step that you would take when just thinking about making a financial goal uh just sort of as a, as a broad statement i'm going to make a financial goal where do i start
4: yeah absolutely well the first step that i would take is looking at where i would like to be in the next few years what are my financial aspirations. For example, if I'd like to retire early, maybe I should consider maxing out my TFSA or my RRSP, or perhaps opening one of these accounts if I haven't done so yet. Maybe my goal is paying down my debt. This way I can take a look at a number of different avenues to potentially accomplish this, such as debt consolidation or a balance transfer. Or perhaps it's something as simple as saving for a major expense, such as a car, a vacation, a down payment on a home. Regardless of what your goals are, there are different ways to allocate your savings to help you get there, which is why it's so important to set your goals in stone so that you can help allocate your money to the right places.
1: How difficult do you think it is for people to to understand some of this? I mean, like, even just some of the things you said, uh, you know, it sounds like it might take quite a bit of time to really sit down and, and really get a good picture of what my financial situation looks like to really determine what kinds of goals I can create moving forward uh, in 2020. I guess it all depends on sort of how familiar and how aware you are of your own financial situation. But uh, maybe for someone who's uh, not totally oblivious to what, what kind of money they have, but, you know, maybe doesn't, you know, keep it top of mind, uh, how much time do you think it can make for someone to really go about setting some realistic goals. Is it difficult?
4: I think it can be very difficult. It really depends on how frequently you're checking in with your financial situation. If I'm doing this for the first time in a while, for perhaps maybe since last year <laughs> and on January 1st, 2019, then the first thing I would want to do is determine my net worth. And this might take a little bit of time depending on how familiar you are with your typical balance sheet. But you can do this by creating what's known as a net worth statement. And you can add up all of your assets, subtract all of your liabilities, and whatever's left over is your current net worth. Worth. And your assets could include property, vehicles, cash, investments, liabilities, largely include unpaid debt. And it's important here to note that if you have, that in certain cases it might actually be normal to be in the negatives if you recently made a major purchase such as a house that you haven't begun to pay off yet but regardless of where you are it's important to make a plan to reach positive net worth within a period of time once you have determined whether or not you have a positive net worth it's time to evaluate your cash flow now a key factor in building a strong financial plan is understanding how much you save and how much you spend on a monthly and an annual on an annual basis. Now, once again, this can be tricky to determine depending on how frequently you're checking in with your financial statements. There are so many different ways to track your spending nowadays. Myself, personally, I prefer to use Excel or a Google Sheet to manually input all of my monthly spending. But you can also use a budgeting software, such as FreshBooks or a number of mobile apps. Regardless of which platform you choose, it's important, according to us here at lowestrates.ca, to account for your spending both on a monthly and an annual basis. This is because looking at one number on its own can be a little bit misleading because everybody's financial situation is so unique. I would recommend dedicating a significant amount of time to sitting down and planning all of this out because it will map out your financial plan for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Jessica, we've been kind of going over some of the steps when creating financial goals, right? So, um, we've kind of talked about some of them. Step one, identify your goals. Step two, determine your net worth. Step three, check your cash flow. So, you've kind of gotten into all of this and you started getting into step four, which is, of course, matching your goals to your spending, which I think is uh, probably the hardest step to take because, you know, you can easily put forward a plan and say, I'm only going to spend this much on groceries and I'm only going to spend this much on gas. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, you just see something shiny in the corner and think, ah, you know what i can go over my spending a little bit here uh and and buy you know this little gift for myself i mean how difficult is that i think for me anyway when i look at these steps that's probably the hardest one do you think that's probably the case for most people as well
4: I think you're absolutely right. It's, very, it's more difficult than it sounds to manage your spending with your saving. And one way to do this is to use the net worth statement that we've just come up with to determine whether or not you have a deficit or a surplus in your monthly cash flow. If you have a surplus, then you're on the right track and you can start allocating your money to meet your goals right away. But if you have a deficit, the new year represents an opportunity to regroup and figure out whether you have any unnecessary expenses that you can cut out, whether you can make any lifestyle changes to help fill that gap, and it's important to note that even if you do have a surplus, you may still want to adjust your financial plan and reallocate your money to help meet your goals. Just because you have savings, that doesn't mean that you're putting them in the right place.
1: All right. And we have about a minute left here. So I got to talk about step five as well, because this one uh, seems it uh, uh, doesn't really necessarily match the rest of them, at least when I'm just looking at it uh, just from a, an overview s- standpoint. So the step five here is to review your insurance coverage. Why is that so important?
4: Well, this is the part of financial planning that often gets often gets missed but it's equally as important as saving and allocating your money if you're a homeowner or a renter for example reviewing your home and tenant insurance to ensure that it still meets your needs is very important one reason is because if you're a homeowner you can reassess the value of the contents in your home if the value has changed since you took out your policy if it's found that the value is more than what you've accounted for in your policy you would wind up paying out of pocket for some unexpected repairs which then delay your other financial goals it's important to ensure that you're covered for these unexpected things so that it doesn't delay the rest of your
1: financial plan well jessica thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show here uh you know just a couple of days before 2020 it's a good time for people to review their finances and and i think you've provided some good advice for people who may be looking to make a financial goal in the new year so thanks so much for coming on the show i really appreciate you taking the time
4: Thanks so much for having me, Jeff.
1: Anytime. Right on. That was the associate editor for editor for lowestrates.ca, Jessica Vamiro, talking about some financial goals. Here, I'll just go over those steps one more time. Step one: identify your goals. Step two: determine your net worth. Step three: check your cash flow. Step four: match your goals to your spending. And step five: review your insurance coverage. Some things to think about as we go into 2020. Maybe make some new financial goals for 2019. Household debt in this country is out of control, so. Might be a good idea for you to think about making uh, some some goals when it comes to your financial situation. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoy our time while it lasted. I will be off tomorrow as Team Canada will be uh, taking the airwaves instead of me. But I will be back on Thursday. So enjoy your New Year's Eve and your New Year's Day.